It's nice to see all my friends here. It makes me a little less nervous. Um, um, my story really is one that I hope you all will be encouraged by because it's never give up hope on any of your family members, anyone you know that is away from the church. If God can bring me back, he can bring anybody back. And so um, if that's the only thing you get from this, I hope that encourages you in that regard. So I have a 30-year story that I'm going to try to tell in 30 minutes, so I might be done in an hour. <laughs> Just kidding, I hope. <laughs> um, so I might ask your help if I go off on a tangent, just give me that signal to reel me back in. Um, if I'm taking too long or I'm boring you, just tell me, time's up, wrap it up. And, because uh, it is after seven, so my ADD meds have worn off, so I apologize in advance. <laughs> um, a brief synopsis, um, I was raised Catholic. I grew up in St. Patrick in University City, went to that grade school for eight years. Went to St. Mark High School um, for two years until we moved to Florissant, then I had to switch to the public school. Um, I remember as a kid always wanting to know, like being interested in the Bible, but always wanting to know how can I really know that this is the true faith? Or how can I really know um, the things that they're teaching us are true? How can I know um, that the Bible was translated? I was a weird kid, by the way. <laughs> Um, how can I know that the Bible was translated accurately? And so I always had this desire to want to know how to read Hebrew and Greek, and I wanted to read those original languages for, languages for myself. Um, so I always was um, curious about the faith. Um, but when I, I got married at 18, and I, I got divorced, and so I like many divorced people, felt like I wasn't really welcome back in the Catholic Church. Um, and so my cousin at the time invited me to a non-denominational church. And it was there that um, I really kind of uh, had that moment of, oh, I, I get it, because they're all into the Bible. And um, so I studied the Bible, and I, it was like my aha moment of, oh, I get it. So this must be the right place. This must be where I'm supposed to be. Um, so, and I believed all the misconceptions then about the Catholic Church that the Protestants typically believe. I believed all that. Um, but the bottom line is, I always, I, I never really um, had faith in the real presence. So I really think that anybody who's away from the church has to not have that faith in the real presence. Because once you do, where else could you go, you know? And so that is what I'm going to try to focus on, because there were, in 30 years there was a lot of different things that were speaking to me along the way. But the main thing was that not having faith in the real presence, and then how I came to faith in that real presence, that God's revelation and that gift of faith from him, and, and that's how I, I came back. So in the meantime, there was uh, a lot of things going on in the news. And as Bible Christians in the non-denominational church, you know, we always say Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, of course. Well, here in the news, there's these other denominations saying, well, we're going to take a vote on this moral issue now, you know. Well, we're going to vote on this moral issue, and we're going to change our thing to go along with the culture. And I thought, wait a minute. If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, you can't vote on those things. And I was noticing that the Catholic Church never changes their doctrine 
based on the culture, and that spoke to me, and I, it was telling me something. It was saying, this is, this is the true church. I mean, I was reading that a um, hundred years ago, virtually every Christian church said contraception was wrong. Well, now only the Catholic Church still teaches that. Um, the Catholic Church is staunchly uh, pro-life and against abortion. Um, the other uh, churches were uh, voting on whether they should ordain openly gay clergy, you know, um, just things like that. And then uh, I was impressed by Cardinal Burke uh, when he was still in, in uh, um, Wisconsin. They, he was on the news saying that he uh, had refused communion to, uh, I think, a politician who was openly pro-choice, or I can't remember the exact circumstances, but I was really impressed by that. I thought, wow, that, wow, that's really great. He's really taken a stand. He's really standing up for the faith. And um, at the time, uh, oh, just to continue that story, when I heard that he was coming to St. Louis, I thought, wow, that's really great. This guy's coming to St. Louis. Um, I, didn't, I didn't realize that a lot of people weren't real happy with him, but I sure was. <laughs> um, anyway, um, and I'm trying to look back at my notes here. Um, sorry, see, that's I get distracted, so. Um, another thing I noticed was, um, when I would drive by Protestant churches, they had their minister's name on the marquee, but the Catholic churches didn't have that, you know? So it's more about the minister, and you follow the minister, versus the Catholic church, you're here because it's the Catholic church. You're not following a particular minister or priest wherever he goes. So that spoke to me too. Um, in the meantime, I, because I'm my love of the Bible, I went to this non-denominational uh, Bible study for 11 years, and it was a very in-depth Bible study. Um, uh, we, uh, I mean, really in-depth. Like, we would take one book and study it for nine months. I mean, like, every sentence. And so I really learned the Bible. I loved it. One of my teaching leaders said, you know, people love this Bible study, but nobody loves it like you do. <laughs> and it says, I love the Bible. So, um, but it was through that Bible study that God was starting to open my eyes to the truth of the Catholic Church, and that the Catholic Church really is the church that Jesus Christ founded. And um, I just was noticing these things, and one particular time, I think the first time I actually heard God calling me to the Catholic Church, and it was my Abraham moment. Kathy, go to a place I will show you. Leave this place, go to a place I will show you. Um, and that was, we were studying um, Israel and the Minor Prophets and um, Moses, and um, I think it was just Moses. Anyway, it was all about the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood and how uh, Aaron's sons, you remember, um, I think their names were, Nadab and Abihu, they lit unauthorized fire and God struck them dead. And I had this sudden revelation, oh my gosh, that's what the Protestants have done. They're lighting unauthorized fire. God picks the priests, God tells us how to worship, and they took it upon themselves to do it, do it their way. And God didn't like that. And I thought, and I had this vision at the moment of a huge building with a chunk 
broken off, like that fell out, and that was Luther breaking away. And then that chunk started crumbling into all these little pieces. And I took that as all the thousands of denominations that have kept crumbling off of that one chunk since then. And that really spoke to me because I thought that one original building was still standing, and it was the Catholic Church. Um, so I was at lunch after I had this, this revelation during the lecture, and we, I was with my friend Janice, and we were eating lunch, and I was thinking about all of this, and she looks at me and goes, something's happening to you. What is going on? She goes, you're different. Well, something is happening. What is it? And I was just, it was because I heard that call. I was getting that realization that the Catholic Church was the place that God was calling me to go. And um, so since then, um, a lot of things, again, were happening. Um, I had my uh, Moses moment of arguing with the Lord. But Lord, I've been married and divorced. But Lord, I can't go back to the church. They don't want me. But Lord, I don't know if my husband would want to go through the annulment process. But Lord, is it too late for me? And, um, you know, but God never calls you to do anything that he doesn't make happen if you cooperate. So this was going on for several years, you know, different things, God giving me these revelations and uh, me thinking about them and, and still, you know, like just pedaling along um, because it took a while. Well, I want to focus on the um, three main things that brought me to the um, faith in the real presence because that was my real big issue, the bottom line issue. Um, I, we were studying John 6 at the time, and I was thinking about how, uh, at least in the non-denominational church I was in, we really believed the Bible at its face value. You know, we took the Bible literally, which is not the way some people think of literally, it's the way we think of literally. I mean, you take it as face value, what it says, and you know there's different senses of scripture. Um, and you read it in the context of, of the time that it was written, but it also speaks to us today. And I was thinking about the irony of here we were, and, and pro all Protestants really, I think, um, they take the Bible, if they do take the Bible uh, at face value, some, some don't, not all do, but the ones that do, they take it all at face value except for John 6. And I was thinking about uh, the irony of that, whereas any Catholic scholars or people I uh, researched, they, didn't, they would say the Bible's true, but it's not all fact. They would say all this different stuff, but, but they definitely took John 6 literally. So I thought, well, here they don't take every word literally, but they take John 6 literally. And we take every other word literally, but not John 6. And I thought, well, isn't that funny? So I had to start doing research on John 6. So I had to start um, researching every word that Jesus says, you know, if you eat my body, eat my flesh, what does that mean? And when I, when I realized, uh, well, before that, I should say, I was reading a history of Christianity. Sorry to backtrack, I'm jumping around. And in the book it said, virtually all Christians believed in the real presence up to this certain point in time. 
And I was floored because we believed it was a symbol. You know, we didn't think it was the real presence. You know, I was, I was one of the people that said, I used to be Catholic. And, and Catholics actually believe that's really Jesus, you know. Um, but then I, hear, I read in this history that all Christians believed it was actually Jesus up until these more recent times. And I thought, wait a minute. Oh, my gosh. And that's when I had to start doing that word-for-word -word study. And I read it, and I was like, oh, my gosh. It's like he's really saying, literally eat, literally gnaw and chew my flesh. So I was like, oh, my gosh. The Catholic Church is the only one that still believes in the real presence. All these other people have watered it down and whittled it away to, to, to less than that. So that spoke to me. And then I went to a Catholic funeral for one of my relatives. And I walked into the church, and I remembered that familiar feeling of being in the church, um, how it felt when I would go into the Catholic church as a kid and everything. And, um, and that was fine. But then later on, when I went into the non-denominational church that I was in, when you were there with the people, you could feel the Holy Spirit. You could feel the presence of God. But one day I walked into the, into the church, and nobody was there. And I walked in, and I stopped dead in my tracks. I mean, it hit me like a brick wall. Oh, my gosh. This is an empty building. It's an empty building. And I remembered the Catholic Church does not feel like an empty building when you walk in, even when nobody's there. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Jesus is really present in the tabernacle. He's really there. You can tangibly feel the difference in a Catholic church. And I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, he's really there. Um, I, I, I was just like, still, but God, I don't know if I can go back. And, you know, obviously I'm a slow learner <laughs> and a procrastinator. <laughs> um, but... Uh, that was uh, number two that, that really got to me. And um, so the last thing is, um, I was, uh, my aunts, I, my mom has five sisters, and they always would go on the White House retreat, so I know they were praying for me all this time. <laughs> and um, I had always wanted to go on the retreat with them, not so much because it was a Catholic retreat, but because um, I wanted to go hang out with my aunts. <laughs> But um, anyway, however God gets you there, that's okay, right? Um, so this, finally, um, my kids were grown enough, and I could go on the retreat with them. And, uh, oh, and, um, well, I'll save that for later. But, um, so I went on the retreat, and I was just thinking about all these things, you know, thinking about um, how, you know, the Catholic Church really is the church that Jesus Christ founded. It is the original church. Because all these other ones, they go, we want to go back to the original church. We want to go back to the original church. They don't know that this is the original church. <laughs> and so I finally realized that. Um, and so um, I went in to talk to the priest. And I knew that I couldn't like go to confession or anything like that. Um, in my situation, but I was trying to kind of figure out whether it was really too late for me to try to come back, or is, that, is it really the door shut? And normally when I expect someone to give me uh, a, 
like a negative answer. I try to make it easier on them, so I, I word my question in a way that makes it easy for them to say no, you know, even though that's not what I want them to say. And so this priest, of course, followed my lead and kind of was just like, well, you know, I wouldn't worry about it. Um, and, I, and I thought he was telling me, you know, yeah, you know, you're, you're too far gone. It, don't worry about it, but I think you'll be okay or whatever. And so I thought, oh my gosh. So I went back to my room and I cried. <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, it really is too late. And now that I know where the real presence is, now I can't even really go there. Um, I'm not welcome. And so something, I think the Holy Spirit just told me, go talk to him again. Go talk to him again. So of course, um, I don't know if it was that same day later or if it was the next, next day. So I decided I would go try to track him down and talk to him again. So this is, you know, the White House is a silent retreat. <laughs> but uh, I saw him like across the yard. So I start yelling, Father, Father, and running after him, Father, Father, you know. And um, I caught up to him and I said, Father, were you telling me yesterday that it's too late for me to come back to the Catholic Church? And he goes, what? No, 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 no. Come in here. Come in here and talk to me. So I went in, I talked to him, and we talked, and, and he's asking me, what parish were you in? And I told him this one. He says, oh, I know the priest there. He's a young guy. It's Father Molini. He goes, don't be afraid to talk to him. He goes, you call him. You call him and talk to him. And so I said, well, okay. Of course, I was afraid to, so it took me two more months to call him. But I remembered that one time, a couple years earlier, I had come home one day, and there was a card in my front door. And it was from a Catholic priest. And I remember thinking, wow, that's really weird. I never knew a Catholic priest that would go door to door. And it was, of course, Father Brian. It was his card. And so even though at the time I had no intention of coming back Catholic, this was before I even was having that first revelation, um, I was perfectly happy where I was. I loved my pastor. I loved my church. Um, I had no intention of ever being Catholic again, but I kept his card. I thought I kept his card. So after I talked to the White House priest, I came home and I'm like, where's that card? Where did I put that stinking card? So I'm looking everywhere for this card because I couldn't remember the priest's name and I didn't want to, and I couldn't remember who he told me was up here. And so, um, I kept looking for it, and, I, and then I started praying, Lord, please send that priest back to my front door. Please send that priest back to my front door so I don't have to call up at St. Gerard, and they don't, I don't know them from Adam, and they're going to know I'm not really, I don't really belong there. <laughs> and so um, finally, I, I finally thought I heard God saying, no, Kathy, you have to call him. You have to make the call. You have to make the call. So I did, and then, of course, Father Molini was on vacation. I had to leave a message. And I thought, I didn't know all that. I just knew he wasn't calling me back. So I thought, oh, he knows I'm not a parishioner. He knows they don't, wanna, they don't want me to, he's not going to call me back. What should I do? Should I call him again? I don't want to nag him, blah, blah, blah. Well, finally, he calls me back. So I told him briefly, and he's like, oh, come on in, come on in. And you know Father Mulaney, he was great. He's just like, come in, come on in. And um, he got the annulment paper started and everything. But you know what? Even before that happened, um, I had started sneaking over here like in the morning for mass, <laughs> hiding in the way back, and just checking it out and everything. And, um, and then for a while I would go to my other church and I would come here 
And finally, I was at the other one, and I'm thinking, you know what? Why am I sitting over here, and I'm not receiving Jesus, and, and going over there where Jesus is, even if I can't receive him, I still have to go there. I still have to belong there because that's where he is. So I, I knew that even if my annulment didn't go through, even if I could never receive any sacraments, even if I had to listen from the narthex, I would be here. So um, fortunately, it all worked out. The annulment went through. I'm back in full communion. I am so grateful to be home. I thank God every day that I'm home. I thank him for his mercy. Um, and I want to end with my prayer that I say every day um, in gratitude, and that is, thank you, God, for having mercy on me, for giving me the gift of faith in your real presence in the Eucharist, and for bringing me home. I pray that you'll do this for all people who cannot receive the Eucharist. I pray that they will respond to your grace, come to and accept knowledge of the truth, convincing of sin, leading to repentance and a desire for holiness, to the Eucharist and ongoing conversion in the fullness of the faith of the Catholic Church. And I ask this in Jesus' holy name, according to your holy will, through the intercession of the Holy Spirit, Blessed Mary, St. Joseph, all the apostles, angels, and saints, to the eternal praise of your glory. Amen.